All right, good morning, church. It's good to be here. Um, you know, for the next few weeks, we're going to be digging into this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. And we're going to just kind of be breaking it down. Uh, it's famous, obviously, because it's read at many weddings. You know, like, love is patient, love is kind. Like, but I want to remind you, and we're going to constantly remind you, that this passage first is not about romance between a husband and wife. In actuality, it's a reminder of God's radical and active love for us first. To learn and to be reminded of how deep, wide, long God's love and affection is for every one of us in this room. And then once we've received that, is to hopefully, through the Holy Spirit's help, to emulate that and to be able to put that into action. If you study this passage, right, all of these 16 qualities, they're all in the Greek, they're all actions, right? And so I just want to remind you that that is significant because, as one commentary puts it, all of these verbs portray a quality that is a vibrant action, not a placid state, emotion, or feeling. Does that make sense? This is a call to action. But first, it's something that we've already seen God actively do to pursue each and every one of us. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the first two, which is patience and kindness. How many of you guys are pretty good at being patient? Anyone? Raise of hands. All right, great. How about kindness? Okay, this, uh, <laughs> this is great. All right. Um, well, then this uh, sermon will be very applicable. Right? <laughs> so let's just jump into these two actions to really see what it means and how they can draw us closer and to appreciate the deep love that God has for every one of us in this room. So the first action is this. Love is patient. Uh, in the back, if you can shoot up the 10, uh, this was a list. Okay? The top 10 things, uh, this is from a journalist, that test our patience. So take a look, and maybe with the person next to you, Maybe one or two things that really test your patience, if it's on this list. All right, go ahead, share it together. All right, hopefully you had a chance to share. Uh, you know, in the first service, I, I had them, you know, share together, and it's kind of a smaller room, so I could hear. And then it's funny, because a few of them was like, oh, I struggle with all of these, right? And I'm like, even Ikea furniture? And they're like, yes, 
Every single one of them. And I don't know about you, but, you know, we live in a world and a culture today where it's difficult to be patient. Everything is about faster. Getting it now, right? Even Amazon Prime, it was like two-day shipping, one-day shipping. And then now if you order it early enough in the day, it comes what? By like 10 p.m., that's the promise. And everything is faster so that when something is slow, it, it, it really starts to get on your nerves. How many of you guys have been in an elevator and the door doesn't close? Right, and you're sitting there and you're like, and then what do you do? You push the close button like 24 extra times. And then, God forbid, you push the open button when the door is about to close. And then everyone in the room or in the elevator gives you that death stare like. There was a poem, and I'll just share it with you, I found this week. And this is a poem on patience. You know, if we could shoot it up. It says, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman. Never in a man. I think there's wisdom because they wrote it anonymously because they, they, they didn't want it to be known. But there's some truth to this, isn't it? This action is just so difficult to find in our world. But what does this word actually mean? Well, if you take a look at the word in the Greek, it's this word makrothuma, right? And it's a combination of two words. The first word is makros, which means long. And then thumai, which means passion or temper, suffering or wrath. So the word directly translates to long suffering, right? Long temper as opposed to short temper. To have a very long fuse. Henry Nouwen, he puts it this way. This agape patient love is actively restraining expressions of passionate temper. I think there's wisdom here because this does not mean that you don't feel the frustration. This doesn't mean that you don't feel the anger or the passion start to boil within you. It doesn't mean that you don't feel your temper rising, but patience is restraining that natural inclination. And we've seen Jesus do this over and over again, right? He was the ultimate example of this. If you look at 1 Peter 2, 23, it describes Jesus and it says this, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, right? He was entrusting God to do it in his time. And his job was to be patient, right? We can blow up or we can suffer long and to entrust that God will make things right. And that's what God does with every one of us. He's patient with us. He doesn't force us to love him, but he's patient with us, waiting for us to turn to him. You know, if you look at 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Right? God is patient. He's long-suffering with every one of us. And so the idea is, 
in the same way as Jesus was patient with people and situations, we are called to this by entrusting ourselves and saying, you know, as God has already shown us what this looks like, although it is difficult in our world, we want to try to follow along. There is this traditional Hebrew story about Abraham. And it says that Abraham was sitting outside his tent one evening when he saw an old man who was weary from his age and the travel. So as he was coming towards him, Abraham rushed out to greet him. And then so he said, hey, why don't you come in to my tent? I'll feed you a meal. You look tired from the journey. As he came in, Abraham washed the old man's feet and gave him food and drink. The old man immediately began eating without saying a prayer of blessing to God, thanking him for the meal. So Abraham asked him, don't you worship God? This old traveler replied, no, I only worship fire. I only revere that and no other God. So Abraham, when he heard this, his temper started to rise. He grabbed the old man by the shoulders and he threw him out of the tent into the cold air. When the old man was gone, God called out to Abraham. And he asked him, hey, where is the stranger that was with you? Abraham replied, I forced him out because he did not worship you. And then God answered this. He said, I have suffered with him for 80 years, although he dishonors me. Could you not endure him? For one night. And it's a story that's supposed to remind you, each and every one of us. And we have our own individual journey and story of how we let God down so much. And yet he was so patient with us. And we are called to share that with others. Maybe it's a roommate. Maybe it's your husband or wife especially our children, or maybe even situations or circumstances where you're waiting on the Lord to do something and you're getting impatient. You're like, God, I'm ready. Where are you in this? He's like, I am patient with all of you. It is a description of my love. Would you be able to, through the Holy Spirit, walk in it? You know, on that list of 10, one of the things that's listed is parenting. Uh, if you're a parent in this room, I don't know about you, my patience is tested every single day. Amen? That didn't sound as, as, as convincing, but I, literally, every single day. This is not a joke. Every single day. I, I was preparing this sermon, even this Wednesday. So on Wednesdays, I take my kids to school. So my wife leaves for work, so I have to get them ready. And I did the calculations, the math. I've mapped out everything. They must be out of the door by 7.55 because it's three different drop-offs at three different schools. Any later, and then the last drop-off is late, right? So anyways, this Wednesday, it's one of those mornings. Have you had those mornings? The kids are waking up late. They're taking their time, their sweet time getting dressed. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm going like, hey, 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 get ready, get ready. Brush your teeth. Brush your hair. Hey, you got to get dressed. So then they come down. And then, you know, when they start eating, oh, my gosh. They have the TV on. One bite. They're not even chewing. So I'm like, hey, you know, in the nicest way. But you know how, you know, parents, you know this. You can feel it in your back. It's like rising. It's rising, right? So I'm like, hey, hey, eat your food. Right? Now, eat it. So finally, 7.50. I'm like, all right, got to grab your stuff. Let's get in the car. The girls go in. Joshi, okay, he's my youngest. He comes up and he's like, I got to go number two. <laughs> so this is no joke, okay? If you ever, if you ever talk to him, he, this is his, he says, one is pee, two is poo, three is diarrhea, and four is a big one. You can ask him yourself. That's literally, so he's like, I got to go too. So, you know, as a parent, I mean, he has to go. It's nature's calling, right? But I don't know why. It starts frustrating me, right? So I take him to the bathroom. He still needs help wiping, so I'm standing there. And he's just like taking his sweet time. He's like, Dad, where do you think this water comes from that when I flush? <laughs> and so I'm like, look, I don't know. But you got to finish. So, you know, he's still, he's still taking his time, right? At this point, we're five minutes behind schedule. And look, if you know me, I don't like being late to anything. So I'm getting like cold sweats, right? So then he's like, hey, how come you have to be nine years old to play Minecraft? And I was like, I don't know. I literally do not know. All I know is you need to be done so we can get out of here. And, you know, and I felt so bad because I'm preaching on patience, right, this Sunday. And literally, I felt so bad, so I was like, I'm sorry, daddy didn't want to raise his voice. Let me wipe you, and we got to get out of here. Right? Every day, it's a battle. And that same day, um, you know, I got my coffee, so I was feeling a little better already. And I was opening up my Instagram, and, you know, I follow kind of informative, you know, accounts. There was one on, like, back pain. I'm getting older. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's another one I follow. It's, it's a family, and they give parenting advice. And I find it kind of interesting, beautiful family. But that, that morning, um, he, um, the father wrote this. A lot of times it's, like, beautiful things, the, the places they're traveling. And then this one was just a picture of his youngest son having a meltdown at Disneyland. There's a picture. And this is what he wrote. And it really kind of really resonated with me. He says, you know, no one told us that parenting is us having to find the inner strength to respond calmly to triggering behavior while feeling emotionally depleted, mentally exhausted, and completely overwhelmed. And literally, he described parenting in a nutshell. It's a giving of yourself even when you have nothing to give. And, you know, it really shocked me, but also it humbled me. And I started to realize, you know what? When I am not doing well with the Lord, when I'm not emotionally being filled and having time where I am in a safe place to be healthy, emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? Drawing near to Christ, allowing him to remind me of his patience and love 
and drawing from him. When I am not doing that, I'm trying to give to sometimes crazy kids that are triggering me when I have nothing to give. And all along, God is saying, come to me, all you who are weary, all who are tired. Maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you have difficulty with your parents or in-laws or coworkers or it's your situation or, you know, I hope it's not, but maybe it's the person right next to you. And you've been triggering each other. And God is saying, sometimes you will feel it, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit's help to restrain. Because when we do that, we are reflecting the beauty of our God. You know, one of the earliest descriptions of God found in the Bible it's in Exodus 34, 6. And it says this. It says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is God's love and affection for all of us. And he's asking us through his help step into that and to share it with those that are around us who we dearly love I'm sure and sometimes and yet we give in to not restraining so this week I just want to challenge you I'm going to give you two challenges for both this week I want you to just wake up each day and just with a quick prayer to say God I want to receive your patience and your love for me today and then to turn it and say God I need your help be patient with those that are around me. So that's the first action. The second action, kindness. You know, what's interesting is that kindness, it's, it's seen as kind of weak in our culture, right? We live in a world where the aggressive seems to win. It's the type A, the leader, the loudest, the most aggressive that will make it up. And they're the ones that we put on a pedestal. They're the ones that are the CEOs. And that we even have phrases in our culture like, nice guys finish what? Last. That's terrible. But everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be, and we'll say this, like, don't be too nice. Well, what is kindness? If you take a look at the Greek word, I find it to be very striking. Do you mind shooting that up? It's this word, kristietteo. And the middle is actually the middle passive voice of the actual word, Christos. What does that sound like to you? Jesus, in the Greek, it's Christos. Kindness is literally putting into action, behaving like Jesus, being kind to others as Christ would. Now, if you look at the New Testament, what should strike you is Jesus' kindness. 
I think sometimes, you know, we'll highlight like him flipping the table. And we're like, look at Jesus. He's the man. But so many more instances of him just, when he's interrupted, he just shows kindness and patience. Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, the woman that's outcasted because she's bleeding, the adulterer. There is a woman that comes in as he's having a meal and she's crying and wiping his feet with her hair. Everyone's like shaking their head. What is, what is this lady? And he, in gentleness and kindness, get up. Your faith has made you well. Jesus' kindness is always inviting. It's in tune. He listens and cares. Do you remember even the children are running to him? And they're like, hey, get out of here. And he's like, no, no, no. Come here. That is the way Jesus is. And that literally is what this is asking of us. To be kind. Because when we are kind, we walk in Jesus' steps. And you know what's cool is Jesus does this to draw us in relationship with him. It's not niceness for the sake of niceness. It's not kindness to just be kind. It's kindness to say, I want to establish something beautiful, a relationship with you. In Romans 2, 4, it says this. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God uses this beautiful act of kindness to draw us into a right relationship with him. When we are kind to people, I want you to know something. It is not weakness. It is power. When you do something kind, people remember it for the rest of their life. If you've ever had a kind teacher when you were young, do you remember? You know their name. You remember their face exactly. I shared this at the men's retreat, but literally the week before we had our men's retreat last year, my wife got a flat tire. It was her second flat tire in two weeks. And so this is around 4 p.m. after work. And so she's driving down the 57 where it meets the 10. So at around 4 p.m., that is like the worst place in Orange County to be in. That traffic is terrible. So she gets a flat tire. She says, hey. And then it's, what's stressful is that we have to take Joshi to soccer at 4.30. So she's like, oh, I got a flat tire. So I'm like, okay. I'll call the tow, but I'm going to go over there. I don't want you to be there by yourself. So I'm driving, trying to be a good husband, but you know how this is. I start getting frustrated, right? It's not like my wife wanted to get a flat tire, but, you know, like, we're dumb sometimes as husbands, right? So I'm like, why is she driving like crazy? <laughs> two flats in two weeks? No, I don't say this to her, right? But, but I'm feeling it, right? So I'm like, and then the traffic is like, it's crazy. So I'm taking back roads, you know, you know, Brea Canyon, Carbon Canyon. I'm like doing all this. And so I'm getting more and more frustrated. So I'm trying to get there. And then as soon as I park, you know, I don't, luckily I don't, I don't burst out. I wanted to, but I don't. So being the good husband, I'm like, hey, you take this car, take Joshua to soccer. I'll take care of this. You go. I got this. You go. Gets in the car and goes. But, like, it's a fake. It's totally fake because I'm, like, really kind of, like, angry, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm, like, trying to change the tire. I mean, there's big rigs driving by me. It's loud. So I'm, like, what the heck is going on? Oh, right? 
And then this is the part that really kind of shocked me was because of all the noise, I didn't realize, but a big rig had pulled over. And the guy from the, the driver from the rig, he came to help me. I didn't see him. So he kind of popped out and he kind of scared me. He was African-American, but that's not why I got scared. Okay. So, so he comes out and I was like, oh, and then he's like, oh, hey, uh, do you need any help? And I was like, I sure do. Uh, and so he was like, oh, hey, hey, you know, I've changed so many flats. So even, I didn't even touch it. He literally was like, and he finished it so fast. So I take this, the, the pop tire and I put it in the back. And I was like, hey, can I at least give you a tip or something? He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, please, I don't do this for a tip. If you could just, if you see someone in need, if you could just help them out. I didn't tell him I was a pastor, but I almost started crying. I was like, wow. I mean, it's so powerful. And he just left. And I was like, hey, let me get a picture with you. And he just left. <laughs> I want you to know kindness is so powerful. Because also, it's so absent in our world. And so when you show kindness... I'm telling you, there is a difference, a shine, a light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And sometimes that light shines brightest when we are kind to people that don't deserve it. And Jesus always, always showed kindness to people that were outcasted, that people shunned and looked at and judged. Not just his closest peers, but to everyone. Uh, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and Stephen Covey, if you've ever read this book, he actually tells a story about kindness about his two sons. So he has two sons, six and four. He took them out to dinner, and then he had a, a night out with the boys, right? And then he had a movie. During the movie, his four-year-old, Sean, he fell asleep. So he was sleeping, movie was over, so he picked them up, carried him, he was still sleeping, and took him to the car, put him in the back seat. It was a cold night, so he took off his jacket, and then he covered his younger son. His older son, six-year-old Stephen, was in the front seat, watching all of this happening. So they get home, younger son is still sleeping. Stephen takes him, puts him in the bed, and then he takes Stephen Jr., tucks him into his bed, six-year-old, and then he's like, wants to know, hey, what do you think about the day? You know, it was a night out with the boys. Like, what, do you, what did you like? And instead of like the nice meal that they had or the fun movie, he gives kind of like a short response and then he just kind of turns. And then he could see that his son is crying. Right? And so Stephen says, hey, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? The boy turns back. And he's still a little bit shaking, tears in his eyes. And he says, Daddy, if I were cold, would you put your coat around me too? And then Covey writes this in the book. He says, of all the events of that special night out together, the meal, the movie, hanging out with his brother, his dad, the most important thing that stood out to him was this little act of kindness 
a momentary unconscious showing of love. It's not like the dad was being like, oh, I'm trying to be kind. No, he just did it, right? But that stood out. And here's the thing. When there's an absence of kindness around us, when there is one instance of it, it can't help but shine. You remember the story of Joseph. We studied it for you know, many months. In Genesis 50, verse 21, after his brothers had done all these horrible things, they come to him in a time of drought. And I love this, because he doesn't retaliate, he simply does this. He says, talking to his brothers, he says, do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he comforted them spoke kindly to them. You know, this is something I'm working on. Um, I'm just going to be frank. Uh, I just, I'm not the kindest person naturally. So it's really difficult. But when you have three kids, you know, I want, their, I want them to grow up and say, you know, my dad was loving and kind to me. So I've been working on this. But you know, the hard thing is I'm very sarcastic, right? So when I get a little irritated, it turns to sarcasm. Right? So, like, my daughter was, like, having trouble putting her shoes on. So, once again, in the morning, I had to take them to school. So, I was like, oh, my gosh. Is it that hard to put on your shoes? Right? Like, that's how it comes out. Right? So, you know, and so I'm always like, man, this is something that I need God's help with. Because that's literally how the little ounce of, like, frustration in my life, and then it turns to that. You know, I feel bad because my wife has to deal with this, and especially my mom. I feel, you know, pray for her. I, you know, she loves me, but, you know, it's so sarcastic. And so I'm working on just being more gentle and kind with my words. And as, as men especially, I think this is powerful because we sometimes don't speak words with kindness, right? How many of you have ever heard this? If you're in a relationship of any kind, it's like, it's not what you said, it's your tone. It's the way you said it. You know what they're saying? You're not being kind. It's like, but I, I wasn't mad. It's like, Jesus always, always, in wisdom, when people needed it, he came with kindness. So in summary, if you take a look here, to just kind of help you if you're taking notes, right? Love, being patient and kind. Patience restrains, kindness invites, right? And both are really powerful. It restrains that which can hinder relationship, and then kindness invites to start and keep that relationship whole. And that is literally what God does for all of us. Look, if you get nothing else out of this, it's this. I know all of us probably in some way or form struggle with patience and kindness, but I want you to know one of the biggest things that you need to take away from this is that God is patient with you. God is kind towards you, right? Like it is an endless patience and kindness. When I look at my own spiritual journey, I can't help a fathom why God would love me. But he does because he's patient 
and kind with every single one of us. And here's the thing, is some of us, we're not even patient with ourselves. You are not kind to yourself. You beat yourself up because you're like, no, I, I failed this. I promised that I would do this, God. How could you love me? And then you start doing things that God would not even do to you. So we turn to him and we first say, God, I embrace your patience and kindness. Would you help me to be a patient and kind person today? That's my prayer, guys. That we, through the Holy Spirit's help, will learn to restrain passions that can deteriorate and destroy relationships. And then to be kind to invite others to be able to see a reflection of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the things that we do, in the things that we say. And imagine this. Can you imagine this week if all of your interactions the other person, the situation was met with patience and kindness. Parents, if this week every interaction with your child was met with patience and kindness, what an impact, what a light of Jesus we would shine in this world. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. Because as we read the Bible, it's a simple message. You love us with a love that we don't deserve. You are patient towards us when we don't deserve it. You are kind towards us when we turn our back to you. When we fail you, Lord, you continue to pour out your love upon every single one of us. This is stuff that we have experienced to the full over and over again in our own individual lives. So first we come and we want to just embrace, to remind ourselves, to immerse ourselves in that love and that gospel message. That there is nothing we can do, bad or good, to earn more of your love and affection for us. So we just sit and first we just thank you, God, that you call us to be your sons and daughters. Now you're helping, asking, moving and prodding us to walk in patience and kindness in our relationships, in our situations. But we need your help, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come help us this week, today, this afternoon. And oh, what power would exude as we are patient in kindness. What reflections of your beauty could we give to the world as we are patient and kind. It is only by your grace we thank you. In your precious name we pray.